Welcome to Category Visionaries, the show dedicated to exploring exciting visions for the future from the founders who are on the front lines building it. In each episode, we'll speak with a visionary founder who's building a new category or reimagining an existing one. We'll learn about the problem they solve, how their technology works, and unpack their vision for the future. I'm your host, Brett Stapper, CEO of Frontlines Media. Now let's dive right into today's episode. Hey, everyone, and thanks for listening. Today, I'm speaking with Vincent Clem, CEO and co-founder at Baobab, a cyber insurance startup that's raised more than $4 million in pre-seed funding. Vincent, thanks for chatting with me today. Thanks for having me, Brett. Yeah, so before we begin talking about what you're building, let's start with a quick summary of who you are and a bit more about your background. Sure. Yeah, so originally born and raised in Germany, in Cologne, studied over here, made my way to the startup world in Berlin. There's a bit of an ecosystem in, in startups worked there at a fintech company and as a junior in a venture capital firm, but then decided that I want to see something else. And I moved to Italy and studied international relations and political science in Bologna, and then made my way to the US, graduated there in DC, and then decided to revisit the startup ecosystem again and look at the real deal in the Bay Area, moved out there, uh, founded a company over there in 2016 called Gabby. Gabby stands for Get a Better Insurance, and it's a online broker, online platform to get cheaper insurance rates on your auto or home insurance. So that was my first foray into being an entrepreneur and also to insure tech. We built up this company and uh, produced some quite annoying TV spots that maybe some of the American listeners have seen. I sold the company together with my co-founders to Experian and also decided to move back to Europe because that's where I ultimately wanted to live and uh, where most of my friends' family, of course, still are and moved back to Berlin and started a company called Baobab over here, which is a cyber insurance company. So right now it's not just a platform insurance, but it's really an insurance company that we're building that insures businesses against cyber attacks. And yeah, I'm super stoked to work on it together with my co-founder, Anton, who's the CTO and is the, the technical man behind this endeavor. And uh, yeah, and I think I can tell you a bit more about this as we go along. Nice. Sounds great. Before we dive into that, let's go back and talk about your previous company. So what year did you have that exit? That was in 2021. Okay, nice. And is it public what that was sold for? It was sold for 320 million. Yeah, so it's public. Wow, congrats. That's amazing. Yeah. And just to understand, you know, what makes you tick as an entrepreneur and, and as a founder, what would you say is the you know, greatest book that's or the best book that's had the greatest impact on you? Yeah, I mean, that's a tough one, actually, because uh, there's so many books and that I've read. I really enjoy reading as such. And from a business perspective, I studied economics for a bit. So I was quite interested, basically, in the macro view of how things shape out. And I think there's a book that left a lasting impact on me. It's called The Culture of Growth by Joel Mokir. And Joel is, the, is a uh, professor who writes about the marketplace of ideas and how that plays a role in economic growth and progress for the world at large. So I think mm -hmm. it was a great, I was so interested in it and struck by it because it's written in such a great way. And it kind of like connects, you know, individual ideas and individual endeavors very well to sort of an overall economic, sort of to the overall econ economy, if you will, and what's, what's going on in the world at large. Nice. I'll have to check that out. What was the author's name again? Joel Mokir. So it's M-O-K-Y-R. Nice. Very cool. Now let's talk about what you're building today. So when it comes to defining the problem, how do you define the problem that Baobab solves? So the problem in this case is quite obvious. So companies get hacked and that happens every day and actually way more than you think. And if you get hacked as a company, you may think, okay, what's the big deal? 
but there's two things that can happen. You can be liable for it. And yeah, for not meeting customer obligation or, or any other obligation, all sort of secrets of your company or personal identifiable information being out in the open on the web uh, happens a lot. And the other thing is that your business may just stand still and you just can't operate and you lose revenue. And that's happening a lot. There's really an industry around this. It's not so much sort of kids just hacking or teenagers who don't like companies or something like that. It's really an industry that sort of does ransomware. And the way ransomware works is you hack a company, you encrypt all the data that it has, and you have a ransom demand for the company so that the company, of course, is the, everything has to stand still. You can't really operate anymore. Um, there's so much technology used in companies today that that isn't, for the most part, not possible anymore. And then you, as an owner of the company, have to pay a certain sum, a ransom demand in crypto to an anonymous wallet. Then you can just hope that the hackers that hacked you give you the decryption keys for all your data and that you can continue to operate. But of course, you have no assurance that that actually takes place. And that's happening every day. And it's happening to many, many companies. The issue is underestimated because companies don't like to talk about it, right? I mean, they don't want to talk about that their cybersecurity was breached and so forth. But if you, like me, sort of go into this industry and start talking to companies, you have all these people coming, opening up to you that, that are in management of some companies that says, yeah, this actually happened to us two months ago or a year ago. And it was terrible. So what we offer is two things. We ensure the whole situation. So we ensure against liability risk and business interruption losses. But we also help the companies in terms of crisis with our own personnel that helps them basically defend against the attack. We help them in recovery. And we also do prevention measures that make sure they don't get hacked in the first place. And we do this all, it's all an included service because ultimately we are very much aligned with the companies that we are insuring because at the end of the day, we also benefit from having not to pay out the loss and the company benefits also much more greatly from not being hacked because they worked on the cybersecurity. Got it. And when it comes to what you're actually insuring there, like how do they quantify the impact that you know ransomware or that you know cyber attack had on their business? Because I'm guessing there's you know some easy things where it's you know we were not able to operate our computer systems for three days, so this you know cost X. But like what about things like reputational damage and and other things related to cyber attacks? Is there some amount that you're providing there in terms of insurance, or what does that look like? So the way it works is if you get the insurance out, you pick a coverage sum, yeah. So you pick the amount of damages that you want to be insured against. And of course, larger companies should get higher sums there. But let's say you pick a million and you're insured up to all the eligible costs up to the point where it reaches over a million. And from that point on, you would need to pay yourself. When it comes to reputational damage, for, so sometimes it's quite easy to assess, right? If you're being sued for a certain amount, it's quite clear, right? it's quite black or white. If it's there's a situation where it's not so clear what the damage is, when it comes to reputational damages, what we do is we pay for a PR firm to help you through that. But as you can see, maybe reputational damage can actually go beyond what a PR firm can do, right? So for mm -hmm. us, for the insurer, it's always important that we have a bill that we can pay in the end. Yeah? So that's the way our invoice, so that's the way it, it works. But this goes back to the alignment. You don't want to get hacked even if you're insured because it's quite wild in terms of what the consequences can be and quite uncertain. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. And what segment of the market are you currently focused on? Is it SMB, mid-market, or enterprise? It's SMB. So what that is, because there isn't really a good definition of that out there, is maybe a bit of mid-market there as well. We can insure companies up to 100 million in revenue. Got it. Makes sense. And then what's the go-to-market look like? How are you reaching that market? So the go-to-market is going via insurance brokers here in Europe. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, so there is actually great industry characteristics in that sense because we have all these brokers that have working relationships with customers already. So we can make use of that. My first company I founded, Gabby, was an insurance brokerage. So I know a little bit what it's like to be a broker and the role that they play in that value chain, I think is greatly underestimated. They don't have the best reputation, especially on the B2B side. You can see, okay, there's actually quite complex risk situations that they insure for their corporate customers. It's quite actually quite an interesting and complex job. And in terms of go-to-market, that's the go-to-market channel that we make use of. The issue that brokers have and how we help them is that they don't oftentimes can't competently advise on cyber risk because they don't have a good grip on cyber risk. And it's something they say openly. It's a new topic for them still. It's something, it's some of whatever 30 products or so they're selling. So they actually welcome support in helping understand the risk of their clients better. And that's what we help them do by visualizing the risk, by creating reports for them and so forth that they can use for their customers. Got it. And do you see them being pretty open to selling new products like this? Are they generally receptive to that? Yeah, they are. So just to catch everybody up on this, it's not such a new product that we would have invented this. So there are brokers that have been selling cyber insurance in the US, in Europe, and in other geographies, but it's still comparably new. And then we're a new provider, right? And we're offering more than a typical insurance company because we really build an engine that calculates what the prevention measure is that your SMB should take this quarter, for example. Yeah, And that's something that brokers can offer to their customers on top of what they're generally offering, which is an insurance policy. And this is being very well received by brokers and by customers. Got it. Okay, that makes sense. And when it comes to market categories, then, do you place yourself in the cyber insurance market category? Or are you thinking about this as a totally new category that's going to eventually form? I think it's a category. The category is evolving. And we're definitely the ones in Europe taking the biggest step towards that. We think of our service that we offer, our product bundle, a product offering to be probably 50% around cybersecurity, prioritization, and risk management. And the other 50% of the value add is the policy itself. Some insurers offer, you know, and prevention training here, there, or something like that. It's not really integrated in the product. It's not really tracked. So maybe the value add there is more like 5%. Yeah. But we think that the future of cyber insurance is the way that we do it, that there needs to be specialized players that have a strong cybersecurity DNA, and that it's not so successful to just have this as one of your 40 products that you offer as an insurer, but you don't really have the understanding in-house as to what the nature of the risk actually is and what customers can do to prevent it. And that, especially in this risk category, brokers and customers will look for more specialized players that can really advise them competently. Mm-hmm. So. I think like if we say new category, we're probably the next evolution of it. And we're part of a wave there of a couple of companies. And this trend is, is alive and strong. Got it. And when it comes to going outside of the German market, is this strategy going to be something that you can replicate from country to country? Yeah, we can actually. So there needs to be localization and there needs to, there's some steps that we need to take, of course. So it doesn't scale itself. There's language barriers here in Europe and different jurisdictions and insurance regulations and so forth, right? So we need to work through all of that. But the fundamental need is the same everywhere. And we're actually opening up our second country after Germany in a couple of months, which will be Austria. It's the easiest to go for because the jurisdiction is quite similar. And, you know, of course, language-wise, it's, uh, it's easy. And then, But then we will, we will go from there to other EU countries first and then, then globally. Nice. And 
you know, insurance just seems like an industry that is extremely heavily regulated. Is that something you're going to have to deal with as well, country by country, and it's going to change, you know, every time you go to a new country? Or is most of Europe going to be like somewhat similar? And you know, is there somewhat of a template that you can follow? Well, as Europeans like to think of ourselves as having this sort of single market, but let me tell you, it's not really a single market yet when you look <laughs> into it, right? So... There are some things that have been harmonized, but it's maybe 20%. And the rest is stuff that you still need to figure out. And that's just the legal side of things. And then there's, you know, like how, like different attitudes towards insurance and language and, and, and so forth, right? So that which comes on top. Got it. Makes sense. And how much traction have you seen since you launched? So we launched just a couple of weeks ago. So the first thing you need to do for listeners to understand when you want to found an insurance company is you want to get risk capacity. And if you're a startup, even if you raise pre-seed round, you don't have the capital to, uh, we're not from a $4 million pre-seed round, we're not going to insure companies against cyber losses. So what you need to do is you need to get risk capacity. It's not technically reinsurance, but think of it as reinsurance. So basically you need someone behind you to back it. And we found Zurich Insurance. So one of the largest insurers in, in the world being quite interested in this. And we partnered up with our friends at Zurich and they provide the risk capacity for our customers, but we had a face to the customer. It's our product. And basically, if you would know, you don't know that Zurich is behind it. But if you're interested in it, I think it's quite good to know that you're not insured by some startup, but by one of the largest insurers in the world. And this is something that we worked on for quite a long time. And so this is why it took a year for us to get to this point. So we launched now and we are seeing great traction with brokers. So we have onboarded 50 brokers in the last couple of weeks. They are very happy to work with us, which is something that also makes me very happy that uh, this product is being perceived in the market so well. We, of course, have been chatting with the market and getting intel and so forth as to how we do things. But it's something else if you then actually wake up and say, okay, there's, you have 50 distribution partners working with you right now, and they're calculating offers. We have first customers now. It's, I mean, it's just getting started, but we see very good signs of early traction. Nice. And what is it about the insurance space that you know excites you? Like, why insurance when you could have gone you know, probably any direction that you wanted to go with your career? Well, someone just told me, and it was in the US when I did my first insure tech, don't trust anyone who said they always wanted to be in the insurance industry. Uh, they're probably <laughs> lying. That's what I said. And this guy's insurance executive, right? Yeah, I wouldn't buy that. If you told me that, you know, since you were a three-year-old boy, you just dreamed of being in insurance, I'd, I think you're full of shit. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's basically what, what he told me. And I shouldn't hire those people. That's what he said. Um, but <laughs> to, to an extent, if you're then in an industry, at least I'm the type that then is very interested in understanding how things work, right? And how does this whole world work? And especially, I'm especially interested in it if it's a little bit behind the scenes and not so glamorous, but actually is, is large and complex and there's lots to uncover, right? And that's kind of like the mindset that I have when I'm like moving around this industry, which I did um, property and casualty personal lines insurance in the US, which was totally new to me. But that's, you know, your auto and home insurance products that most folks, of course, have. Now in cyber insurance for corporates, it's totally different. Right? So I'm, um, I'm learning a lot still every day and love being in touch with folks in the industry, underwriters, reinsurance underwriters to understand how do reinsurance treaties work? How is this whole industry coming together? How does the Lloyd's market work? And, and so on and so forth. So this is super interesting to me. And it is ultimately, insurance is not really like the societal function of it is something that you don't really need to explain to anyone. I mean, it's a very old product. It helps, of course, manage risk and distribute it across society and the economy and basically have a more resilient economy and society through that. So I think that fundamentally is a given. Nice. That makes a lot of sense. And if we zoom out into the future, 
what would you say is the five-year vision for the company? Yeah, I mean, in the next couple of years, maybe we get in five, that'll be super quick, but we want to be the market leader for SMEs in SME cyber insurance in Europe. And that really means we will insure companies that are a bit larger, so also mid-market, up to 1 billion in, in revenue in most or all of the EU countries and want to establish this way of insuring companies that is very focused in on cyber risk. It sounds strange because you think cyber insurance should always be focused in on cyber risk, but let me tell you, it's not. I mean, the way that insurance companies do business today is they don't really look deeply into the cyber risk. They look into, okay, this is an industry that has X amounts of attacks. This company in this industry is so-and-so big. They have a firewall, yes, no, a couple more questions, and then that's it, right? It's not a very granular analysis. And we think we have to bring this granularity to the industry. We have to make it very in a very data-driven way build risk models that actually work and are not basically sort of best guess type models and basically make this really a mature insurance category as is, for example, auto insurance today. Nice. That's amazing. Unfortunately, that's all we're going to have time for today. If people want to follow along with your journey, where's the best place for them to go? Well, uh, of course, to our website, to bailweb.io. You can follow us on LinkedIn. That's where we publish sometimes. Uh, we'll actually continue to publish more in the future especially on, on cyber threats and uh, things that we're seeing in the market that are interesting to business owners, but also you know just folks that are interested in general as well. Nice. Amazing. Well, thanks so much for your time and look forward to seeing you execute on this vision. Thank you, Brad. Thank you for your time and thank you for having me. All Bye. right. Catch you.